All right, tonight, there will be bourbon is going to pour a glass with Carrie Duvall. How are you, brother? I'm doing just fine. How are you? I'm great. Hey, I'm about to get a lot better. That's, so that's Carrie. Uh, Carrie's a retired Army captain. He's a combat veteran, a CrossFit coach. I know that's going to trigger a few people. Uh, he's a yoga teacher. Interesting. More triggering. Yeah. <laughs> Personal <laughs> trader. He's a champion adaptive athlete. Got some questions on that. That sounds pretty fucking awesome. Uh, a prosthetics designer and a general health enthusiast. I sounded like Mike Tyson on that one. He's a general health enthusiast, not enthusiast. <laughs> right. I'll bet I'll bet Mike Tyson would agree with that. Uh, yeah. That too. You know what? Still though, at this point, I know Mike's like in his fifties. I'm still not going to say that to his face. I'm just not going to do oh, it. Oh hell no! I'm not. Yeah, I saw I saw him training up to go up against uh, who was it? Roy Jones again? Yeah, did you like, watch that? Uh, no, I didn't because I didn't. I don't have. Uh, I didn't have uh, that that um, that app. That, that app. Yeah. Yeah. But dang, dude, <laughs> I feel like he, as shape. much as I loved Roy Jones, I feel like Tyson won. Mm-hmm. And there I was believe no, it. Yeah, I think he was not allowed to hit Roy in the face. I don't know. It was weird. But, <laughs> no, I loved Roy Jones growing up. Um, so, yeah, you do a lot of work, man. A lot of good stuff for veterans. Uh, he's dedicated to helping others, working with multiple charity teams. Uh, he's a consultant for prosthetics development. Really cool. Government funded medical research. And, um, yeah, let me touch on this first, man. You say you believe your best way to build community is to foster healthy communication and for people to work together. Uh, what led you to that? Was it was it your your time in the military? Was it your time just seeing how CrossFit gyms are, or, or what kind of got you into the the mindset that community is is something important? Uh, well, when when I got uh, I've I've always been a bit of a fitness, not just in general, yeah. but when I got blown up, I was in uh, I was at Walter Reed Hospital. Okay. And, um, you know, recovering from a polytrauma injury, you know, you lose a whole bunch of weight all at once. And, uh, like I said, I, I like to lift and I told myself right up front, I was gonna, um, well, I won't be able to lift as heavy just yet, but I will, I can, uh, put together, I'll, I'll, I'll learn the skills that I need to. And some of the first people that, uh, found me in the, uh, uh, in the recovery center, the Matsy at, um, uh, Walter Reed, sorry, I just pulled out my damn headphone thing. Nice. Uh, Walter Reed were a couple of adaptive athletes, um, one-legged guy and a, and a one-handed guy who, uh, you know, we started talking, they, you know, we shot the shit and they said, uh, and this was like maybe a month and a half after I'd been blown up and they go, hey, there's this competition called the Working Wounded Games that is happening down here in Vienna, Virginia at this gym called CrossFit Rubicon. Yeah, and okay. And they're like, uh, day after Halloween, come on down. I'm like, all right, cool. And I went down there and I saw, um, and I, I hadn't really done CrossFit up to that point at all. I'd, I'd done a little bit of powerlifting and the like. Uh, and I, but I saw um, these fucking jacked amputees, like absolutely destroying these very punishing workouts. And, and this is the day after like my last surgery of getting like the, the wrist that I don't have anymore plated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just absolutely high on oxycodone and, uh, and I'm watching this guy. And I said, so the thing that I remember most distinctly is I'm, I'm watching these guys crush it. And, uh, you know who Derek Carver is? Um, I don't know his name. No, I don't. he's this real beefy high leg amputee. He's just like the dude's a, dude's a fucking monster. He's, he's mm-hmm. one of the guys that started team some assembly required, which I'm, which I'm on now. Oh, cool. Uh, 
but he just um, he's doing this this burpee and throwing a sixty pound pound sandbag over a uh, over a pull up bar workout, and he's he's dropping doing burpees faster than I've ever seen a human being do them. And then he picks up this sixty pound sandbag one handed and he throws it over the pull up bar that I'm like fifteen feet behind. And it was, it was like Lord of the Rings or something where I'm just like, oh, fucking incoming. And I turn to the side and I almost get creamed by this thing. Would have broken a few more bones again. Um, but yeah, I, I saw it. I saw that and I saw how much these people were legitimately helped by uh, just being able to be around other people that were the same. And so I picked up a couple of CrossFit certifications and went from there. It's crazy. So so that was kind of your first introduction to the CrossFit. Yep. Okay, cool. All right. Now I'm going to, I'm going to come all the way back. All right. So before we get into uh, how Kerry found himself in this position, uh, I like to always talk about what I'm drinking tonight. It's going to be a little 1792 single barrel, right? So 1792. Oh, yeah. They make, they make a ton of different expressions. They got a foolproof. They got a 12 year, a sweet wheat, which is delicious. If you can find it, they don't make much mm. of it. And then the regular one. And then uh, the 1792 distillery actually, I uh, was kind of left for left for dead in the early and late night. Well, late nineties, early two thousands and uh, kind of got re uh, reinvigorated and actually was named the whiskey or the distillery of the year last year. If you are into uh, James's whiskey Bible, that guy, but this stuff is delicious. Oh, yeah. so I encourage everyone to, to check out some 1792. Fortunately, they haven't seen the price gouges that every Buffalo trace product that I adore has seen. But so that's what we're going to have tonight fueling this discussion. Now I want to know, Carrie, how did you find yourself? Where are you from? First of all, I'm mostly from Colorado. I was, I was born uh, at, uh, in Clarksville, Tennessee when my dad was at the 101st okay. airborne. Uh, the the um, airborne cosplayers. As, uh, oh yeah, exactly. Uh, air, air assault for sure. Uh, airborne, <laughs> airborne's a moniker. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So Colorado. And then, so how'd you, so your dad was there. So is that why you wanted to join the army? Yeah. Uh, mostly, uh, cause I was, you know, when, when I was getting out of high school, I thought I'll join, I'll enlist in the military and pay for college later after a little bit of experience. And, uh, my dad had done 12 years in the infantry, uh, gotten up to staff sergeant and he'd, uh, unfortunately when he was at the 82nd, he got hurt on a jump and that's what mm -hmm. ended up, uh, yeah. medically retiring him. Uh, so he, so when I said, Hey dad, I'm going to enlist, he said, uh, well, I've done enough ground pounding for the family. So you can, you can go be an officer. And, uh, I was like, all right, cool. And, and so he, he told me about ROTC. I, yeah. and we went down to the university of Colorado at Boulder and, uh, yeah. talked to that ROTC department. I was way late on applying for this because I was, I'd just been applying to traditional scholarships up to that point. And uh, then when I got, you know, accepted in the program, they surprised me with a four year. I, I expected to pay for my first year of college out of pocket. Yeah. And they were like, hey, uh, here you go. You've uh, you, you've earned your scholarship because you passed all of our requirements and everything. So got to got to do four years ROTC at uh, Boulder. Nice. OK. And so then uh, but you initially you initially enlisted. I was I was planning on it and then just went the ROTC. Route. Okay, you went to RC. Yeah. All right, so you you get the ROTC, you go to University of Colorado at Boulder. Really awful place to go to college, I would imagine. Such an ugly scenery. Oh, terrible. Yeah, yeah. that's rough. Uh, I mean, I mean those those flat irons. I mean, could you could you block the view of the sun a little bit more, please? <laughs> just like get these fucking mountains out of my way. So obviously you uh, you did good enough at the ROTC program to find yourself on uh, active duty, right? So, yep. 
Yeah. Okay. Where did you branch into? I uh, branched into infantry um, okay. by by way of military intelligence. They don't need a whole lot of military intelligence LTs, <laughs> so I uh, I got to sign a little slip of paper that said I'll be in the infantry until I'm a captain, which is what I wanted to do anyway. Yeah. Uh, I really wanted to be an infantry guy um, because like that's what my dad was, and yeah. I was I was like I want I want to do this, and um, got into it. And uh, thing about ROTC as opposed to West Point or anything, I had a had about a six month lag between when I got, when I graduated college and when I went to infantry school. Oh, wow. So I had about six months to be, uh, you know, essentially just a, a working bum, uh, for, or, uh, or I suppose to be a hobo. Uh, <laughs> I worked for a, uh, I worked for a wedding venue and I, I was, I was a handyman for like six months. And, uh, then, you know, then went down to Columbus, Georgia. It's my first time, like, since I was a little kid living outside of Colorado and uh, uh, the South was a culture shock and a, and a well, Columbus, humidity shock. Yeah. Columbus yep. absolutely is a, a culture shock. The, the home of Fort Benning. What a wonderful place. Mm -hmm. What year did you go there? I got down there right at the end of 2012. Uh, so we were all saying that our, uh, our, our, um, our obligations are going to be up in about three weeks because the apocalypse was going to happen. And it turned out John Cusack lied to us. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So once you, once you commissioned there, where'd you hand off, where'd you end up getting your first duty station at? Uh, first duty station was Fort Campbell. I ended up, I ended wow. up in the same brigade that my dad had been in. That's hilarious. Like, and we've got the same name. So I called him up and I was like, Hey dad, did you like, maybe piss off a lieutenant who might be a general now. And like, I'm going to get roped into some shit over here. And, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got to, got to go over there, be air assaults. Um, you know, uh, initially like you're supposed like after infantry school, you're supposed to go to ranger school. I went immediately got hurt for being a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> you know, like uh, going too hard on an obstacle course and jacking up your knee. And so it was, it was going to be like, I'm going to Fort Campbell and I'm going to a unit. And, you know, normally just cause the way it is, they'd send you back to Ranger school. Mm -hmm. uh, I get there, they're gearing up for a deployment. And, um, you know, the, the, the rumor is always that this will probably be the last deployment to uh, Afghanistan at this time. And so I was, <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> yeah, little did they know. But so I just said, um, oh, well, heck it'd be, you know, uh, Ranger school is always going to be there. And this is a nine month deployment. Like it'd be cool if I could deploy. And you know, the, the, the battalion commander was a gentleman who um, uh, probably one of my favorite commanders I've ever had, who just said, uh, Hey, stay here, uh, go to Ranger school. You'll be fine. And, but a Sergeant major overheard me. He was, he was like, all right, given the, the, the Sergeant major comes up to me in the three shop and goes, well, given the, given the choice, would you deploy or go to ranger school? Like, uh, is like, is like ranger school is going to be better for your career. And I said, I don't care. Like, you know, I, I don't want to skimp on a deployment. And he thought that was pretty cool apparently. So I went to JRTC and then deployed out to RC East, uh, Nangarhar, Afghanistan. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So that was that. So you went to, that was 2012 or 2013. That was 2014, right at oh, the beginning cool. of 2014. Oh, we would overlap. Well, I wasn't at RCC. So I was in the Capitol. I was chilling in uh, Kabul, NKC in 2000. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's actually where I, I did my first any type of organized CrossFit. So we had NKC CrossFit and then the CrossFit uh, Kandahar. We went and visited. Nice. Kandahar CrossFit. And all. No, and then just the way it came back, um, 
not to steal your thunder, but I came. <laughs> so that's when I really got into it. Cause I, I had learned about CrossFit when I was in drill sergeant school in uh, 2008. Uh-huh. I had a guy in my class, Donald Forbes, who I ironically saw like as a judge at the CrossFit games in like 2015 or 2016 on the beach scene. I was like, Holy shit. Oh, I sick. But he was the one that introduced all of us to it. And uh, I guess he went on to, he's like level four certified. He's got his own gym in North Carolina somewhere. But I would always see him after class. Like he'd be out with like a set of rings on a pull-up bar doing handstand push-ups against the barracks. And it's 2008. He's like, yeah, CrossFit.com. Just check it out and go learn uh, workouts or whatever. And I was like, okay. So back in those days, you just kind of picked and choose what you wanted to do. There was no real Mm -hmm. logic to it. So I probably did everything wrong up until about 2014. But then when I came (laughs) back, uh, I I really got into the whole CrossFit thing and, um, you know, found the games and the rich froning at the time was the one who was the the champ and just ironically where my parents had retired into tennessee it was like 45 minutes to crossfit mayhem so that's where i ended up that was the first ever real gym i went to so that was pretty cool Ooh. uh yeah got 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 lucky with that but anyway enough about me let's talk about you you're in afghanistan you're in rc east you're doing cool rc east stuff you are a mm-hmm. or you're a lieutenant at the time. So you're a platoon leader out there or. Yeah. One as a second Lieutenant, I was a battle captain for like a month. And then mm-hmm. I was a, then I was a platoon leader after that in a uh, company that went outside the wire. And so, uh, so fun thing about that uh, um, on the, on the share drives out in Afghanistan uh, was where I actually found my first CrossFit methodology stuff because oh, really? <laughs> uh, my fiance at the time, who's now my wife uh, was doing CrossFit at CrossFit Sanitas in Boulder because she mm-hmm. was two years behind me in ROTC. Okay. And, um, and, and I, and I, at, at first, like I only knew circuit training and weightlifting and stuff. Yeah. And so like you, you go online, what's the first thing you, you, when you Googled CrossFit at the day was the first thing that popped up was, yeah. was CrossFit's going to give you rabdo. Yeah. Please. I was like, all right, this might be <laughs> dangerous. But then I uh, stumbled on the, uh, the Mark Twight, Jim Jones stuff. Uh, which is, um, which that's the guy that basically, uh, he, he was kind of the forerunner to, um, uh, mountain athlete and tactical athlete. A lot of those guys, like they have uh, very similar kind of methodologies and he's one of like the OG CrossFit guys that kind of broke off. Mm -hmm. So I started falling in love with his version of circuit training. And then that kind of led into, uh, learning a thing or two about CrossFit and what, and what they did. And so like in, in the process of this, I was actually in Afghanistan. I got the, I got those good deployment gains where uh, <laughs> I was, I was like pound for pound stronger than I'd ever been. I was, you know, I was yeah. pr- a pretty lean, like 215 pounds or so just mm-hmm. like, how tall are you? I, I'm six foot two. Okay. You're big boy. All right. <laughs> yeah. So right. Yeah. I mean, right now I'm hovering right about 275. So are like, you serious? I was, oh yeah. Jesus. I'm, I'm denser than I look. <laughs> deadlifting 500 pounds and like it's fun for reps okay, yeah cool. uh, I, yeah for reps we'll, we'll get to we'll get to reps eventually <laughs> <laughs> okay so you're out there and then uh so that was the crossfit thing so what, what happened is that where you were injured was it there or was it another time yeah i got injured right outside of jalalabad actually um we oh, were yeah you know, ironic we were- never nothing ever bad happens there yeah, nothing, nothing bad happens in July. But the, the funny thing was like, and I, I, I tell people this and they think I'm being, you know, like humble or whatever. Like we were on a chill ass deployment up until yeah, that point. Yeah. Like, like, it, you know, the, the worst that would happen was there was a, um, like I, actually, so my, my other two, the other, my other two sister platoons, when I was in alpha company, the first to 502nd, um, they both got into 
uh, a couple of firefights. Like mm-hmm. they got into one firefight each. Uh, one of them got like straight up um, attacked by machine gun fire from across a wadi. And uh, so we had to, we had to go out and be QRF for them. And the other guys uh, got into a, all right. So actually that, that platoon got into two. And then one of them got into one in a town where like they were kind of hanging out in a town and like they were getting some bad vibes from some elder elder dudes like like you know you know kind of when 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 the elders kind of like hey you might need to get the fuck out of here (laughs) and then some shit happened uh and and i was like all right cool we're gonna be the only platoon that doesn't get cibs like i'm cool with that yeah and uh and you know then uh we're coming back from being close range qrf for some sf guys when while some sf guys are doing an overnighter and uh like the Dude, the SF dudes, and the Afghan commandos cleared a whole village and we were like, cool. All right. Sayonara. Let's get out of here. And uh, then I get blown up by a thousand pound VBID on the oh, way shit. back to J-Bad. Oh, and, uh, so yeah, what, well, what vehicle were you in? I was in, a Ma- I was in a Max Pro. Really? And yep. that- Damn. And it's um, I mean, the, a thousand pounds is a big ass bomb, but still. Oh, dude! It well, that that was the thing. It it, it blew this pick. So I, I know because my my guys told me that it was a pickup that 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 okay. we were passing on the road that was loaded up. Um, this thing went off with such force that the car that the pickup truck was confetti, and my my commander who was in the vehicle behind me was like straight up thought it was a it was an under the road bomb like the way oh, that my yeah the way max the pro went. got okay. yeah blown up rolled three times uh my the the door of my vehicle came off and uh rolled 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 and when we when we landed we landed on the tc side so i was you know head in the dirt and um Damn. you know my guys all got out just fine uh one dude cracked a vertebrae most of them got um banged around a little bit in the head uh, just from, you know, like, uh, just, just some TBIs yeah. and the like, uh, and, you know, then, and then it was a uh, small complex ambush. Uh, they took a little bit of machine gun fire and then, you know, it was, uh, um, then it was a medivac and, uh, I got to be lucid for that. So, or I got to be awake for the whole thing. You got to do your, your rollover training. <laughs> yeah what a what a if yeah. <laughs> if i hadn't been pinned underneath everything no, well because because like i i got to go into shock real early so uh yeah. so it's like all right cool i'll try and drag myself out oh nope nope that's yep that's broken all right okay cool. so, so that's what so what was the injury like you did you was it the arm that was broken or how did you lose that part so uh my my hand was uh like absolutely shattered and mangled um, okay. and I got, I got to, I got to see that first. I was like, all right, that's, that's probably fucked up beyond repair. I was, I was fairly cognizant of like, I'm losing that hand yeah. right off the bat and arm was broken a bunch of places, shattered elbow, humerus, uh, broken ulna. Um, and that was what I could like see. And I was trying to direct guys and the hand was, and the arm was just kind of staying on the ground because I had a clean break up, up here. Yeah. And Is that your uh, dominant, dominant hand. Yep. Yeah. That was my dominant hand. So, uh, you know, that, that was gone. And then turned out my femur, my femur broke, uh, at some point. So like the, my right, right femur just snapped. It was a real, that was a real clean break too, actually, uh, didn't shatter, just snapped right in two. And the, um, uh, and I had this big fucking purple gash in my upper thigh from where my rifle during the rollover had jammed into my leg and uh, the buttstock, uh, the magazine. 
so I got Ooh. so I got a I got you're a fucking steel mags or the you where you have your own personal steel ones. steel mags ah, old school steel mags yep oh boy take so many with it yeah that just I'm just ah no okay <laughs> yeah it's pretty rough yeah that's rough but came out of I mean uh, honestly considering all the hardware that I got in me right away because I uh, basically what 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 happened. Um, right after I got blown up, they returned fire. And the next voice that I heard was my, um, was one of my squad leaders who rolled up and was saying, and was, and was yelling, sir, you all right. And, uh, I don't remember saying this, but he does. He heard me say, uh, yeah, I'm pretty fucked up, but I'm okay. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, and then immediately after him, and this part, I remember my, my platoon sergeant rolls up a guy named Justin Richardson, who is a, a freaking badass. Love that guy. And, um, and he goes, uh, he, he's like Lieutenant Duvall. And I went, Hey, Rich, uh, like get everybody out of the back, get security fucking like handle me last. Like I'm the, like, I, I, I I'm going to be a pain in the ass to get out. And he goes, uh, everybody else is out, sir. You're the worst off. And I was like, and, and like the switch flipped in my brain. It's like, Oh, this is platoon starting territory. Now like, all right, handle me then. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, got my two strongest guys in there. Pathfinders landed. They cut me out of the vehicle. Um, and, uh, I was, uh, my, my company commander was there the whole time. A former Ranger guy named Ryan Adams, who, uh, he's a contractor now, uh, uh, freaking fantastic dude who just had his Barry white voice on the whole time. Like, <laughs> like it was, apparent, he was, he was apparently right on the horn with command. It was, he's just like calm, cool and collected. Like, this is exactly what I need right now. And I, I'm, I can't have been on the, I, I couldn't have been in the bottom of that vehicle for longer than like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my medic was uh freaking fantastic too. Like just tourniqueting up, uh, you know, my arm, my leg, um, a guy, a guy named Waylon. He's fucking awesome. Uh, and yeah, you know, then I was on a helicopter. I, I at no point at this, and this is probably the shock was like, Oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm near death or I'm close to anything until I landed at Jalalabad and right there uh, in front of the aid station is the chaplain. And then it kind of clicked in my head, like, Oh, this might be a little worse than I feel like. Yeah. And then I woke up in Lonstool apparently after like 12 oh, hours at Bagram. So, oh, damn. yeah, so, oh, that happened. So it sounds like you guys had a really tight, a tight platoon. Oh yeah. 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 My, my platoon was fucking great. I, I love them to death. Like, uh, Captain Adams ran a really, really good company because mm-hmm. alpha company at the time just because of all the restrictions and everything like we were the only guys that were going out doing anything yeah. and we our mission started as uh we're, we're counter counter rockets so we're, we're going out and we're trying to stop we're, we're just trying to put the kibosh on those rockets that are never going to hit anything on on the base <laughs> because they're just stacked up on two grain bags out in the middle of a field somewhere fire and forget whatever fire and forget and then that kind of moved into a little bit of partnering because SF had bigger fish to fry. So we mm. partnered up with the Afghan army and, and local police. And my guys were all like most of my, uh, most of my squad leaders were pretty seasoned multi-deployment dudes. Yeah. So yeah. they were like, they were real solid. I loved all them to death. Um, like I said, my platoon started had been around the block more than once. Uh, the guy that I, 
you know, got the platoon from, he knew everybody backwards. Uh, and he was, uh, he was a real solid guy went off to be, uh, the freaking wig and tights brigade over at first infantry after that, or third infantry, whichever that is. And, um, the, uh, uh, that yeah, the, the whole the whole unit ran really well. I still I still love those guys. Uh, love those guys. Yeah, I keep in contact with everyone that uh, that I can find on the internet. That's great. That's so just listening to you describe uh, the soldiers that you had. It still kind of it, it irritates me. I don't know how you feel about this because like I specifically joined because of nine eleven. Like that was my that was my life changing culminating event. Time to join the army, right? And. Uh, you know, I went into Iraq in 2003 for the invasion, and then I didn't do another real deployment until I went to Afghanistan in 2013, same time you were there. And then I went back to, I mean, that you want to just talk about a chill deployment is what I did in 2015. But it just, it, it's always, it, it bothers me that you're describing guys who've done multiple and not just chill deployments. You're talking about infantry dudes who've done multiple deployments, right? Yeah. Um, and so I remember going back to Forbes. I remember asking him why we were in drill sergeant school, like because he was a ranger, uh, and he had done I think seven or eight deployments into Afghanistan and Iraq. And you know, ranger deployments are a little shorter, so you know, I was always just blown away by the number. And then I asked him, like, why did you get out of that? Why would you want to come do this? And and he said, I still remember him saying, like, hey, look, because uh, one of his buddies in his ranger battalion was in a drill sergeant school with us as well. This guy Ellis, I'll never forget him. He was another cool dude. But he, 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 I remember him saying to me, like, hey, eventually your, your number's up. You know, I've, I've done eight, seven or eight of those things and, and managed to get out with no injuries, nothing like you went through. Um, mm-hmm. So I can see that. But I remember at the time thinking, like, why are you, why are you going to do this shit? Like, you, you get an opportunity to go do all that cool stuff. But, yeah, like. Oh, yeah. And it bothers me. The reason I bring that up is, like, here it is, man. It's 2021, and this shit's still going on. And I just. Dude, we're, we're coming up on that 20th anniversary of the reason I joined and it's, it's, it bothers me. So I don't, I don't really yeah. know how you feel about it or if. No, I, well, that's, that's the thing. I feel the same way. Cause I feel like what um, I, I feel like we got really locked into a quagmire here in a lot of ways. And, and I think the, um, the issue came real early. If you'll, you know, just pardon me, uh, put my hat on here where. Yeah, do it. It. It, well, it, it really became it, it like what I think got conflated it, to the point where where the the human factor got forgot was the um, was the if you don't support if you don't support the war, you don't support the troops. And which, you know, like I, I, I don't like I, I, I took I took a logic class in college. Like that's a big <laughs> that's a pretty big logical fallacy to me. Yeah. Right. And because and I could like, no, I can support the fuck out of the troops. Like I I I. I, I love, I love the troops uh, because uh, they're, they're me and fucking everybody that I know and a whole bunch of really fucking good people that I've met. And, and I don't, I don't think that like, um, I, I don't think that silence should be bought with fear like that, where it's, you are like, you are absolutely like you, you are persona non grata because I can say that you hate the truth. Tell you what, um, this is a weird tangent for this, but have you ever, have you ever seen that Netflix series, Bojack Horseman? I've heard of it. I've never really watched it. The, the, um, it, it gets, it's very nihilistic, very quick. It's got like, it, it starts, it starts very funny. And then it gets like, you're like, it's like, I shouldn't be this emotionally invested in this poorly drawn <laughs> horse. Like by, but I, my, my favorite episode period is the second episode because it's called Bojack hates the troops. And <laughs> it, 
it lays this out because he's a, he's this old, he's basically like Bob Saget and, and basically like he just, he gets in a tiff with a, with a Navy seal um, in, in a grocery store over like a, a, a box of muffins and, and, because and he didn't know this guy was a navy seal so he uh, and it so it becomes this big media circus and he just keeps saying the wrong things and it to me and and it to me actually like it really it legitimately illustrates this thing like it's all a big satire but at the end it makes this real point it's like like i think it legitimately uh cheapens um it it it, it cheapens how like what 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 the cost of this stuff is yeah to to say you don't support the war you don't support the troops kind of stuff because yeah we're we're 20 years in and it's it's well, that's my issue mire. with what you're saying is uh like it's a very definitive station if you or, or statement you don't support the troops then you don't support the war like we've gotten into this environment in everything not just with the the military but everything politically or, or anything today it's either you're this or you're that Oh yeah. Everybody, everybody on one side of the room, everybody else who thinks you're all on the other side. Right. And there's no more allowance or acceptance for people who are just like, well, wait a minute. No, hold on. Yeah. Why can't we, why can't we ask some questions here? You know, fact finding questions. Why can't we do some of that? Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with supporting the troops because troops don't get no say in this, you know, like when, when, it, when a unit like yours, for example, gets its orders and you've got E sixes and E sevens in it, who've done this multiple times, they don't get to say like, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm I'm going to just I'm gonna sit this one out, you know, like, yeah, that's not an option. So it's not about supporting the troops or giving the troops a voice. It's about, Hey, I support the fact that our dudes are going and doing this stuff. Three, four, five, eight for some times. Mm-hmm. Joe Kent retired green beret now running for Congress up in Washington, 11 deployments that guy did as a green beret in his career, 11. Oh, shit. That's a fucking problem. Like that, mm-hmm. that 11, like as a green beret, not as just, you know, someone like myself hanging out and fucking talk, not doing a lot of shit. Right. But 11 actual deployments where at any given time, you know, your number is going to get called. Okay. Yeah. Um, You know, losing his wife and the way he did in Syria, but that's where people need to start realizing and vocalizing like, Hey, it's okay to be opposed to the war Mm -hmm. or plural and still support our men and women who are actually going and carrying this bag. Because yeah. the ones that are saying that, oh, you must not support the troops. Last I checked, I don't know. I don't think they're the ones down there. Yeah, a lot of it. And that's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I majored in history in college. My dad's a history professor. So we'll, we'll sit and we'll talk about like, what's the historical context for X, Y, or Z. Right. And, you know, one of those, one of those things is like, you know, uh, you know, hippies ruin shit again. Like, this the like a, a lot of this comes from the fact that like there was like like the hippie movement was so virulent and violently anti uh, anti troops specifically and it was not the, the here's the thing that always that always get that that gets me about that where if you look at like um like there 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 was the radical left you know there were guys like uh, Abby Hoffman and that but those weren't the same, but like, there's always, there's always the more intelligent, well-spoken people who, you know, regardless of what they're saying, they're going to be way the fuck over on their end of the spectrum. Right. But those are the people that usually, those are usually the people that don't say things like that with hate. They're not yeah. the ones that are going to go up there and they're, they're not going to say, 
you know, fuck all the soldiers. It's, it's always the guys that are still on that end of the spectrum, but are several degrees dumber (laughs) that, that end up doing stupid shit like that. And, and it's, and it happens, it happens all the time. And I mean, you know, shoot, you'll, I'll have it. You have a conversation with anybody about stuff like this. Like it's, it's never the people with nuance that can sit there and take in another point. Like I, I, um, you know, I, I like, I like Bernie Sanders for the, for the very specific fact that he's an independent dude. And I don't agree with a lot of shit that he says I'm like, like legitimately, but the, the fact of the matter is, is he's a guy that has principle. Mm-hmm. And I like guys that have principle and he, and like, I, I feel like I could sit down and I could have a legitimate conversation with Bernie right. Sanders and we could yeah. talk about stuff. And I could probably say, listen, Bernie, I don't think that all college should be free forever because like yada, yada. And like, he'd, he'd probably, he'd be very animated about it, but I think we'd have a good conversation. Uh, yeah, exactly. Lots of pointing, <laughs> lots of that. There are, there are so many people that are so much more tribal than that, that you just can't have a conversation with. Like I, uh, and I, you know, like I said, Boulder, Colorado, I'm, I'm, I'm fair. I'm fairly left. Mm. Uh, but like, there's a couple people where it's like, I, like, I need you to understand the context of me as a history major, knowing what like fascistic communism and Stalinism look like, because you're, 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 you're freaking me out here. <laughs> So did you ever see the, speaking of Bernie Sanders, did you ever see uh, it was on like the daily show where Trevor Noah showed like all those old videos of him as a mayor in Burlington? No public act. Oh my God. dude! So whenever we're done here, I need you to go on and just Google Bernie Sanders public access. Like they, they released all of his public access tapes as Uh he was uh, the mayor. Like it's like 40 years ago. Number one, the dude looks the number one, the dude looks the same. Mm-hmm. like it's like he hit 40 and he hasn't aged since like he still is the exact same guy but he's also as you just described like you're describing people who are principled right in politics which is few and far between and, and bernie we can again we may not agree with half the shit the dude says but he means what he says right so he's yep. they're literally showing these videos where he's like holding court with these kids and they're ranging from like five to 12 years old and he's like hey who here smokes and some little five was like, I do, I do. He's like, what do you do that for? He's like, oh, no, he's like, I think you're dumb. <laughs> it's just hilarious. <laughs> and he's like, who here does cocaine? <laughs> it's just like the weirdest <laughs> shit that Bernie's talking. And that, there's another one where he's like driving down the, one of the streets and there's these kids on the sidewalk next to a, a freshly planted tree. And he, he just hops out the car and there's some dude filming him. And he's like, hey, what do you guys think of these trees? <laughs> and these kids are like oh, uh i gotta get home my mom doesn't want me talking to strangers it's just totally <laughs> authentic it's just hilarious like it makes yeah. no sense like why he's doing this but he did it and there's a couple others where he's like speaking to you know high schools mm. classrooms and all but these tapes are hilarious and you know not a big fan of the daily show anymore but it is funny that they unearthed this. Oh yeah, thing. absolutely. Was, I know, I need I need to check that stuff out. Well, because like what, what what the kind of stuff you're talking about is the, is the reason that I love Colorado as mm-hmm. my state because like um, Colorado to me is a is a really purple kind of state uh, because and and a, the the thing that I like about Colorado and a lot is, is is a lot of people like it doesn't matter what side of the spectrum you're on like most people just want to be left alone like it's Nailed like it. just. Yeah, just just let me chill here in my mountain town. 
you know, like, is that bearded old guy left, right or center? Who knows? He's he's out here in his sandals and big straw hat <laughs> rucking for no reason along a highway. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to go home to his house. He's going to be fine. Like that's that that to me is a Colorado. And I'm, I'm very cool with that. So I guess that brings me to a question because I can go back on the military stuff, too. But I'm just I'm curious, like the way you say that, because w- what's your take on the Electoral College, I would say then? Whereas, you know, a state like Idaho having no real influence or say over a state like California and vice versa. But because one state is amplified based on their vote total, they get to kind of have a say on what these other states do. Where do you come out on it? Like, is that something Mm -hmm. that you you see the logic in the founders or are you more like, oh, well, whoever has the power has the power? I think that I I think that the way the modern the the modern system has been. Uh, changed and kind of and kind of jerry rigged is the thing that kind of bothers me with this because mm-hmm. the the, the uh, I, I say jerry rigged I mean I mean gerrymandered well yeah gerrymandered um, that's a very real thing and then both sides do it so it's not both both yeah. both both sides do it gerrymandering is like you're 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 taking you're taking away the voice of the actual people of a given area right. um, that in particular needs to be redone and the 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 issue the the reason that um, I bring up gerrymandering is because that affects the electoral college and the electoral mm-hmm. college, but it being a winner take all system. I think that really does. Like, I, I don't like the fact that there are, that there are a few battleground States that decide where the nation goes year over year over year, because here's the thing. If you look at like, uh, and I'm, I'm stealing this from a couple other people. Like if you look at the big 50 state map uh, in just the reds and blues uh, that are, they're like this state went, Democrat. This state went Republican. Um, it looks super divided. Right. All right. But if you break that down to like county level and yeah, you actually true. look at that, it's it's way more diverse um, mm-hmm. site to site to site. And that is that to me is a lot more heartening than it gets uh, than it gets viewed. I I think that like the, 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 the electoral system does need to be overhauled in some way. <laughs> But that's one thing, like I'm, I'm not as much of a civics person as I am just a general history person. Yeah. And, and that like, I, I like the idea that the, uh, that the, the concept was, the concept was better representation for small states and big states or uh, equal, yeah. equal population, equal population yeah. versus like, um, I, I don't, uh, what do I want to say? What do I say here? I don't think it's something that should just be completely dismissed out of hand. Um, but I like, and I'm also a person that thinks that um, Australia has the right model for voting where everybody is registered to vote and you get, you, you get fined if you don't vote. I like that a lot because I, I, I like the idea of voter participation. Like, Hey, it fucking matters. You better get out and vote. Yeah. Like, I, like I've, I've almost gotten arguments with my family about that. It's like, it's like, Hey, listen, I'm legitimately that person. Like if you don't go, if you don't vote, <laughs> Shut the fuck up. So yeah, no, that is a very real thing. I'm, I'm with you on that. And that's for, that goes for both sides. You know, I, I don't, I don't need to hear anybody complain on either side. If you didn't actually take the time to get out and go participate. Right. But I'm also oh, yeah. someone, uh, yeah, I was a political science major once upon a time. So I'm a huge oh, cool. nerd for this shit, but uh, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm someone who also thinks like we're doing it wrong and that we still try to count what hundred 70 million votes or 140 million votes in, in 24 hours not even just man make make it a fucking national holiday make it another four day we could always use yep. another four day in the military right starts on friday 
it cuts off at seven o'clock on Monday and you make it a whole four day weekend, right? We don't have to worry about whether people have access. Or not. Look, you got four days, get out there and go do it. Right. Make yeah. it, a, it should be a federal holiday in this country. And uh, the military, of course, because I'm always in favor of more days off military should have Friday <laughs> and Monday off military only rest of the civilians have to go work. Uh, but that's what it should be. I'm just saying. I, I, I love that. I, I love the idea that uh, I, I would love for Tuesday to be, to be like that. Uh, yeah like super tuesday but for real like hey it's super tuesday because now you're about to find out who the next leader of the Mm -hmm. you know the country is for the next four years and and exactly well so there's a um i I mean there there's a real interesting like historical precedent for like where the whole election night thing came from it's a it's a ratings thing like it was like when 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 news became a big thing in the 60s like it was hey we've got this computer here quote unquote that is totally giving us the projections from all these states (laughs) And it's uh, it was actually it's actually legitimately like it's bullshit. Uh, there there was no uh, like there was a computer that was not in the studio. So it's it's like it's it's these old school news anchors that are looking at this at a at a set prop, yeah. and and they're 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 getting the feed into their ear of like hey here's the actual supercomputer that's actually doing all these um all these calculations and uh like that, that yeah it's gonna take a couple weeks to actually count all the votes man but like. Get, getting everybody's hopes up that like the night of or two days on is going to be like you're gonna you're gonna know who that president is like that's that oh, sets yeah. up an unrealistic expectation <laughs> and, and it goes back to those people that are like like the 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 people that are gonna fuck it up for everyone are the people like no this is reality like it's it's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just, i i we, we've got some we've got some work to do there i want to double back no, I hate that fucking phrase. I want to. I don't want to circle back. I want to go back. Let's circle go back. back and unpack this. Yeah, we're gonna go back. All right. So, what happened after your injury? So you woke up in Landstool. How had you? Uh, it didn't. See, so were you there that long? Like, what was your? What were the Three actual days. injuries? Three days. So you so, lost. So I I lost most of my hand. I had a thumb and wrist bones on this side because they were trying to do limb salvage. Um, and that thing, like that was nerve pain from day one. That thing hurt like a motherfucker, um, broken ulna, shattered elbow. You might actually be able to see the scar a little bit here. Uh, broken humerus. Yeah. Uh, so like that was a, that was a snap. Uh, so I got hardware all up the arm, uh, broken femur. So I got a trauma nail in there and, uh, and they had to remove about 20% of my quadricep. Oh, uh, so, so I got, I got a tricep on one side and, um, <laughs> I got this big old, this, this big old lightning bolt of a fucking scar on my right leg. So when I woke up in launch stool, I had, I, I was freaking hooked up to, you know, cables and tubes. I was intubated. I had a wound vac on my leg that was just pumping out like all the nasty necrotic shit that was in my leg. And uh, when they got me, like after about three days, I was, I had had enough surgeries and I was stable enough to move to Walter Reed. And when I got to Walter Reed, like they were like, all right, cool. You're here. First thing, you know, we're going to put your hardware in. And uh, it was, it was kind of, I think they kind of just took the opportunity and called an audible because I was supposed to go in and and do this in phases, Mm -hmm. but I'd also Mm -hmm. lost and gotten a lot of blood at this point. Uh, I, I'd gotten like 12 or 13 units of blood at this point. So I'm, uh, yeah, it was like a lot. Um, and, uh, so I, I think they might've called an audible and like, we need to do all of his heart. We can do all of his hardware right now. Mm-hmm. And so they got all the way up to just the wrist 
And I, so I got, I, I was, I immediately had hardware, which is the best thing they could have done because when they put that nail in your femur uh, and they take away like the external fixators and everything uh, it uh, like I, before the bone was healed, I could put weight on my leg and I could already start rehabbing mm. uh, right there. Uh, arm healed um, like two months later or a month and a half later, I could get the wrist plated because, you know, you, they, they're waiting for your red blood cell count to come back up. Uh, I, um, you know, uh, and my mom's a nurse. My father-in-law is a pediatric neurosurgeon. I got a lot of medical people that were around me in the hospital bed. And basically my mom's sitting there getting the lab numbers from my nurses because my mom wants to know. And, um, and thankfully, like they didn't, they didn't tell me shit. Uh, but my, my father-in-law is actually standing out in the hall, like doing this because he's like, his blood counts too low. Like, like his, his levels are too fucking low. Like, like Tom Moriarty, uh, was freaking the fuck out <laughs> because, and, and, and luckily nobody you don't want to freak out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> the guy who does brain surgery and he's yeah. like, he's like, he's a big dude. That's not a lot of blood to have in a big dude like that. Yeah. Like, and, um, but you know, luckily I had a whole bunch of really good doctors around me that were, um, like the, uh, thing about, thing about the doctors at Walter Reed is they deal with polytrauma and amputee polytrauma, people yeah. all, all the time. And so my, my doctors rolled in from <laughs> physical medic medicine and rehab and were like, you know, Hey dude, here's the protocol. Like I was there for like two days and I'm already doing physical therapy, which at that point was stand on one foot for 15 Mm -hmm. seconds and try not to pass out. And that, and that, like that, that whole six months that I spent at Walter Reed healing was a great experience Mm -hmm. with the doctors and medical staff there. Are those doctors, are they military or are they civilian doctors? Military. Uh, most yeah. uh, most of my surgeons were uh, like lieutenant colonel level or above, oh. and they're they're army and navy yeah, because they combined that. Walter Reed. Interesting. I didn't know that. I mean, I knew it was a military hospital. I never, you never, because based on what you were saying, like, hey, I I figured maybe they're specialists, and you know, maybe mm-hmm. they get them outside. And there's, there's a couple of those. Yeah, they they bring in a, they bring in guys from Johns Hopkins and yeah, okay. uh, all sorts of places mm-hmm. like that. Like they. What my uh, my hand doctor actually initially when I got in when I had the thumb, he was like, "Well, here here's what we can do: we can take a long bone out of each of your feet, and we can give you uh, digits that your thumb might be able to touch." And it uh, and and he was like, he was like, first thing, like you might have foot problems. It's like I'm gonna stop you right there yeah. <laughs> because I walk around at over 200 pounds and I yeah. wear and I wear Vibram five fingers. Like I, <laughs> I, I, if if my feet are fucked up, I'm fucked. And uh, he he came he came in another time and he brought that up. And this was the only time I think I actually like sassed back at a doctor here. He goes he goes hey we, you know we got the specialist coming in from Johns Hopkins. He can talk to you. And I went. Doc, listen, I'm not going to be at age 60, old toe fingers, sitting on a, sitting on my porch, towing a banjo and scaring the neighborhood children. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do it. And uh, I, th- he, he laughed and was also mortified and he left. And, uh, <laughs> and he, he didn't push me on it again. And then when I called him a year later and I said, hey, the thumb is the most painful part of this whole process. Can I get an elective amputation? 
uh, he, he was immediate. He was like, he was like, absolutely. Like, like you're the patient. Uh, I know you, you do your fucking research. So yeah, let's, let's go for it and get the amputation. And I was immediately a lot better for getting more of my hand cut off. So you're a five finger shoe guy, huh? Five finger shoe guy. Not anymore. I wear, uh, <laughs> I wear a lot of, uh, I wear a lot of like wide foot stuff, yeah. but it's not because I don't like the five fingers. It's because the, uh, I think the quality's kind of either the quality's gone down or I am a super hardcore athlete because I just, I burn through five finger shoes now. 275 pounds, bro. That's true. <laughs> no, I remember around that time, 2013 ish was like, that was the, the five finger shoe error. And I, I just could never, I could never do it. Yep. I could never do that. Um, I, I liked them. I liked them for hiking and everything. Um, yeah. I, I still always have a set, but like, I can't, I can't work out on them anymore. Like you want to talk about CrossFit, like you can't rope climb in five fingers. Those things come off like a mother. <laughs> That's true. Um, all right. So that was, you, you had, you went and did that elected. Um, mm-hmm amputee so what was what was the final outcome right so you you get out of there what what happened next were you medically retired did you go back to the the army what happened well so when i first uh left walter reed i left with the thumb and i left at the six month mark because if you were there at six months you were uh you were assigned to walter reed and i didn't want that to happen okay so i i got all the memos from my battalion and brigade commander and even the division commander of the 101st uh, I think I got the division. I might have gotten the division surgeon's blessing on it, where they said, "Yeah, he can come back and he can like med board out at at Campbell." Okay. And then when I got back to Campbell, my battalion commander said, uh, "Carrie, you're like, if you can pass a PT test, I want to give you another platoon." And I, and I was like, I was like, all right, cool. If I can twist my arm about it. Uh, so I, I immediately went out and passed a PT test um, with like, like I barely made the run. I'm not even sure I made the run. I think maybe, maybe my buddy who was giving me the test might've thrown me a bone yeah. because my, my right leg was still not firing completely. Yeah, so it felt like I had a cinder block strapped to my thigh. Um, but like eventually, um, because of uh, adaptive freaking CrossFit shit, uh, I, I taught my quad how to fire again. And that actually, like, once that started working, that started feeling a lot better, even though I still got the big mass of scar tissue that does get a little bit bound up, like the whole thing fires now. Yeah. And got that PT test passed. I got put in a um, heavy weapons platoon, so driving around in uh, Humvees and, and uh, technically we're supposed to be taking down tanks. Loved that. Uh, very small platoon. Like, it, like uh, it was, I had, I had like 12 guys, you know, but it was awesome. It was exactly the kind of thing I needed. It was, it was the confidence boost that I wanted. Yeah. And that was also when I was like, okay, like if this is happening and I can still do all my infantry tasks, like there's, there's no reason I can't at least try to go to special forces selection. And, you know, like I, and, and my, uh, uh, my commander had been an, uh, an asymmetric warfare guy mm-hmm. and had done some more like high level soft stuff. And I was, and I, I told him this and he goes, Carrie, I wouldn't fucking have it any other way. So he was, he was kind of the guy that was like, yeah, dude, if you want to go for it, go for it. So you went to selection. I went to selection. I passed selection. Oh shit. Yeah. What year was this? Uh, this was 2017 in January into February. And, 
I think I think it might have all been in January because it's only it's it's three weeks. But I'm I'm actually the only amputee to ever pass selection and attend the Q course. So what happened then? Did you you okay? So you went to the Q course. Uh, past selection, uh, went to the Q course. Um, basically like I, I went back to Campbell and I bounced out like immediately. Cause I was, I was like, I was like, give me, give me the first date I can like yeet. Uh, and I got over to, got over to, uh, brag signed in, went through the, went through basically the whole Q course, got all the way up to, uh, Robin Sage, mm-hmm. the, uh, final exercise, which as you know, um, First time it didn't go that well. Um, that was a big team dynamic thing uh, between like me and the other officer. We were not doing a good, good enough job of like conveying the mission. Uh, nobody got it. Uh, it was it was very it was very difficult to get everybody turning in the same direction. It was it was twelve wheels all all running in different directions, and I you know I I owned up to that because uh, you know I mean fuck you're the leader like you're you're the one yeah. that everything hinges on right. and you know, went through a month of retraining, went back to Robin Sage again and uh, had a conflict with the um, instructor and his civilian counterpart uh, that I like they they took issue with me and I didn't know about it for a while. Uh, Like it, it took me until pretty deep into the exercise, like past the point of no return that I realized that they, that specifically the main instructor was fucking with me and me pretty specifically. And he, he thought that I was cheating. He, he was under the impression that I had fleeced my buddies for information on this lane. And I was using that to try and game the system. And he, when he brought this up to me, well, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. So he, he brought this up to me uh, about halfway through the, the practical part of the exercise. And um, uh, might've been a little bit before that, but basically he, he, he gets me and one of my radio operators in the same room and he's, he's pulling some interrogation stuff. Like he's trying to do the prisoner dilemma on us. And we're both like looking at each other. Like, I don't know what the hell he's talking about, man. Like, mm-hmm. and, and he's like sworn statements. He's like, don't fucking converse. Give me some sworn statements. And our, our statements matched up because we had no fucking idea what he was talking about. Yeah. And he, he got up in my face about it. And he, he's, he's like, uh, he, he's like, I think you're G2ing this. I think you, I think you have prior Intel on this. And I was, I, I was like, I, uh, sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no way like I, there's no way I would screw this up for myself. Yeah. Like, do, like, I wouldn't do that. And, uh, and the, the, the thing that, the thing that really got, got into my head was um, he would come at me with, with that. And, and my, my answer was like, Hey, if, if we had Intel on this lane, don't you think we'd be doing a little bit better? (laughs) Cause, cause we're kind of like, like, like we're great balls of fire right here, man. Like this is, this is, so like you think there, he was a, just trying to fuck with you? It just gets gets you to admit something, or it was so just- that that was that was my thought, and, and 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 later I thought it was like, and he and so he would be followed up by his civilian dude, who yeah. like this was a one-two punch where his his civilian dude had, uh, like his explanation for everything that I was doing wrong, quote unquote, was that I had PTSD. 
He was like, he was like, you've got PTSD. You can't control yourself. You have no impulse control. Like, and his, and he was very nice about it. He was like, it's not your fault. Like you're fucked up in the head. Hmm. Like you're like, you're a compulsive liar and you can't control that. And it like, it really, it really gaslit me. And I, and I was Mm -hmm. like, and so I, so my brain was divided. Like you're like, you you can, you could feel the cognitive dissonance of um, these are instructors that are here supposedly to help you improve. Right. And one of them is, one of them is saying like consistently that you are a compulsive liar, liar and you are cheating on this lane. And the other is saying, yes, that is happening because you have PTSD real bad. And it didn't occur to me that like, I was like, these guys are trying to help. I'm, I'm still trying to like, I, I still have a chance of passing this. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, we got to the end of the exercise and like, I, I was completely tanked. I was, I was fried. I, I didn't know, I didn't know left, right or left, right or up. And uh, then afterwards, uh, like a- after, after this, I, I had failed. I had been, I had been failed. Mm-hmm. And I, and again, I knew these guys were fucking with me because I would go out and do something and I would be absolutely berated by this main instructor, a fellow officer of mine would go out and do the same thing, which is usually just relaying a plan to right. yeah. civilian populace. And he would get lauded for it. Like he would, like, it was like, he's like, you're a genius. Like, I was like, we came up with that plan together, man. Like, what are you, I'm, I'm, I'm utterly confused. And afterwards after all this i was uh, i my my brain immediately went into okay listen i need to fix whatever's whatever's up with my head and i was like i'm gonna go to civil affairs i still want to be soft i really like i really want to be soft more than anything still and even if i messed up as a green beret i might i might be able to do the next best thing that i'm good at which is like I'm really good at negotiating. I'm great at talking to people. And I like, I, I really like what civil affairs does. Mm-hmm. And while I'm mm-hmm. in the run up for putting this together, a friend of mine comes to me and he says, uh, Carrie, listen, uh, we overheard those instructors talking when we were out of, out of the camp. And it's because you have one hand. Uh, and I, mean, I, was, uh, I keep coming up with <laughs> exactly. Well, and here's the thing. Like I, I was so obstinate <clears throat> in my head of like, I will not be like, because in my head is like, I will not be defined by my disability. Like that's right. always what I was, what I would sit there and tell myself and think. And, and that became like that, that became almost um, toxic in and of itself because then I would basically refuse to see what this was. And so I, 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 I took that, I took it up the chain of command as, as high as it would go. I got, um, I, I got, I got varying levels of, I got, I got apathy. I got completely ignored. And then I, <laughs> when I got to the highest level, uh, dude thought I was trying to blackmail him. The, the CG? <laughs> yeah. So I, so I pull out, so I, I, so I've got this document in my hand and, um, and the first thing he, that was out of his mouth is like, I'm not putting you back. I'm not putting you back in the Q course. I don't care what you have. I was like, I don't want to go back in the Q course at this point, man. Like I'm a month on and I, I'm trying to apply for CA. And then he just sat there and berated me for a half hour with a, with a, a full bird colonel watching. So, so, you know, the, the full bird colonel could say, well, that never happened. Yeah. And, uh, and then I, I, I left the building and I was, I was 
shattered to pieces. Like I, I didn't, I, I didn't have a, a personal identity or narrative anymore. So yeah, that was, uh, uh, you know, uh, all right. So there, there, there you go. It's, it's on the podcast now. That's the first time I've actually like told, uh, like that, that much detail of the story in full outside of like friends and family. So yeah, that, well, no, I, I, I but what did you think the motivation was? Well, they just didn't want to have someone who was disabled complete that or, I mean, I, I'm, I'm I really, sure you didn't get yeah. like, Hey, you know what? Here's the real answer, Carrie. You know what I mean? So you're left to kind of make up your own determinations here, but is that what you feel like? Yeah. Well, cause I, I didn't, I didn't want to think it because I didn't want to think it at first. And I wanted yeah. to think that like the reasons that I'm screwing up are, are literally of my own volition. Like it might be partially because of the scenario, but um, like, like I, I've, I've drilled down on it a couple different times. I've written a journal about it. Like I've, yeah. I've, I put, I I've done all the like PTSD steps for something that's a traumatic mm. experience because it's ended up being that. And I, that I've come down to two things. Either this gentleman had absolutely convinced himself that I had found prior intel on this lane and I was using it to derail him, uh, which I think is not likely considering all the facts. Or like, I think this guy might have had uh, an ego issue with me. Mm. And as much as I like, as much as I was trying to be humble and trying to not. Um, like I, I wasn't going around, I wasn't going around parading like, Hey, I'm the first one handed green beret. Yeah. Uh, I, that, that it might've just been as simple as that. And there's a part of my brain that doesn't want it to be that petty, but there's a, like, there's a really strong possibility that it was. So what happened next? I, um, well, did you go to some affairs or no? Nah, I, well, cause at that point, like I was in the process of going to civil affairs and yeah. I, I remember going in for, uh, the civil affairs physical because I, you know, I, I'd done the whole cute course. All they needed was a seer physical. I'd done seer, yeah. which, uh, I fucking loved seer like that. So I you made not, it through seer. <laughs> made it, made it through seer. <laughs> yeah. okay. I love, I love all those instructors still, man. There's a couple of those here around here just in general. Yeah. Um, but like all, all they needed for civil affairs was a, was an updated seer physical. And I remember going into the office and I was getting all the paperwork together and, and the guy, uh, I, I just remember like, like my heart being broken. Cause the guy was like, you need another waiver. And it, it, it sounds, it sounds real dumb, but I had about five waivers in hand. Uh, like, like normally because they were in duplicate from like, here's the group surgeon, here's the hundred first surgeon. Like, it's like, here's all my waivers that said I could compete and I, I could, I could do the SF course. Like this is, it's still soft. Yeah. And this guy was like, I like, we need another waiver. And I, like, I, 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 I had a breakdown. Like I was like, not, not, not at that point, but that was like the long road into, you know, uh, I, I was, I was drinking a lot um, sometimes during the day when I was supposed to be working at a sustainment brigade and, uh, and I, and, and things just kind of kept dissolving for me. And, and eventually like I, I, I legitimately had a breakdown uh, and, and I was uh, like, I, I, I ended up screaming at this major over the phone who was a really nice guy, but like I, I was at the end of my rope Yeah, and he said, 
he said, Carrie, we're going to take you to behavioral health because I, I brought up suicidal ideations. And he was like, we're going to take you to behavioral health. He's like, you, you don't need to do this job anymore. Like you're, you're fine. And I went into behavioral health and, and they kind of, and, and basically what they kind of pried out of me was a lot of stuff that I had been ignoring for several years. Like yeah. uh, I've got, I've got fucking terrible nerve pain all up my arm and back. That's from the amputation, obviously. Right. And so, you know, when I went in and I was still like really fighting, you know, like I, I, I can still do this. Like, like why would the fuck would somebody do this to me? Like I eventually like th- that, eventually that led to me uh, going through a medical board again mm. uh, for the, for the second time since I'd been in the army and that, but uh, that, that turned that, and that, that led to right now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on terminal leave. I'm medically retired. And, uh, the, and right now I'm looking at prospects and, and, and the, the whole last year, since I haven't had to go into, uh, the last job that I was out of, uh, the last couple jobs that I was out of, because there's, there's a, a, a couple fucking fantastic green berets over at SWIC that have helped me out by putting me in a spot where I can actually do what I need to do. Um, I've, I've got prospects outside the army. Like I, I'm, I'm working in prosthetics with, you know, yeah, that's crazy. Com- well, so what's yep. going on with that? Well, so, uh, bio designs prosthetics is out in Westlake village, California. I started working okay. with them right, right before I went to, Oh yeah. You're, you're, yeah, I'm in California. You? I don't know where the hell yeah. Westlake is, but I'm in, I'm in the Bay area. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're, they're South of you by a ways they're, okay. they're in, um, they're just North of LA. Okay, cool. Got it. And, um, so, so they're, so, so they're down there. Uh, I started working with them right before I went to selection because prosthetic arms weren't keeping up with what I needed to do. Okay. And like, you could see old pictures of me where it's like, I've got a decent size arm and then I've got like a stick <laughs> yeah. and, and it's just like, it, it, it felt, it felt like ass, like prosthetics weren't doing it for me. Um, found these guys because of the guy who owned CrossFit Rubicon, who, mm-hmm. who was the big adaptive athletes guy. His name was um, uh, David Wallach. He goes by chef. Um, and he's probably the most like giving est guy I've ever met in my life. I'm working out at his, at CrossFit Rubicon. And he just goes, uh, Hey, Carrie, there's this prosthetic company out in California that makes unique splint design prosthetics. And that was it. I fucking called him. I immediately got, was like, I was like, okay, how do I get you know, you guys under TRICARE so I can actually pay for this because there's no way I can afford a prosthetic arm on my own. Right. And um, and they and I've I've been kind of a proselytizer for them for a while. And so when I got contacted by um, by a company called uh, Brain Robotics to work on a new version of a robotic hand, uh, they said, hey, we want you to work on this hand. And I said, well, fun thing. I would love to work on your hand, but what's your anchoring system? And they, I can't remember if they had one or they didn't have one yet. And I said, you need to talk to uh, Randy, Randy and Julie Alley out in, out at Biodesigns. Mm-hmm. And I, I got them linked up and the whole enterprise from there has been uh, like, it's, it's been moving forward. Like they're the, they're the people that I'm talking, talking to, to be, uh, either a contractor or specifically what I want to do with Randy, Randy at biodesigns is I want to work in prosthetic rehab with them and mm-hmm. help other people that have gotten prosthetics. That's cool, man. That's awesome. So, okay. So I had a few things. Have you ever heard of uh, do, you, do you watch the NFL or follow football, college football at all? A little bit. 
Okay. Have you heard of Shaquem Griffin? Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. I heard about him a couple of years ago and I said, that guy better not join the army. Cause that's my <laughs> shtick. <laughs> yeah, no. So I went to university of central Florida. So we're uh, that's, that's my alma mater where he went, but no, what was crazy about Shaquem Griffin is uh, you know, his older brother was already in the NFL, great player at UCF as well. And then Shaquem, you know, all American linebacker. But I remember when it was time for him to come out, you know, he went to the NFL scouting combine and they had a prosthetic on, for him, I mean, he had already had it developed yeah. when he was at the UCF, but it was for him to specific, specific again, Mike Tyson specifically for him to be able to bench press. Yeah, and it was so cool because, like, the dude's still doing like the same amount of bench press reps as mm. anyone without a fucking prosthetic. You know what I mean? It was but, a monster. Yeah, like, but that, that allowed him shit. to do that, which was so cool to see. Like, and it, it, it what's even cooler is if. Because that side is, it is, it's somewhat undeveloped, right? But he was still that fucking strong. And then oh, yeah. not allowing him to, to be able to work out and still do those same movements that everybody else is doing. I think that's super cool that, that that's something that's going on. So is that something you're trying to develop something more for people to be athletically inclined or more of an, an everyday day to life thing? For everyday I life like, thing? well, I, I like, I like, um, I like the athletic stuff a lot. And yeah. I do think I, I, if, if I could, um, I, I was talking with a friend of mine about this uh, a guy, a guy by the name of Logan Farr. He goes by Mr. Footloose on, um, on uh, Instagram. Okay. Uh, he, he's a BJJ guy. He's got no feet. He got run over by a train. Uh, he's also the nicest fucking guy on the planet. Uh, he's, he's so great. Um, but uh, he, he was talking about going into prosthetic design and helping out people that are in austere environments so building prosthetics for people that, you know, like, like going to Africa and people that get their hands, hands chopped off or, you know, kids that get their legs blown off in, in Indochina, like mm, uh, yeah. things like that. And I, I love that idea. I also love the idea of, of that being a nonprofit or something where you can make bespoke prosthetics for people for like, Hey, you've got a prosthetic that can do 50 to 75 to 80% of the shit that you do need to do, but you have like, but there's a gap. There's something mm -hmm. that, that you want to do that you can't uh, that, 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 that the, the commercial hands or legs out there aren't, aren't able to do. And it's like, I, I, I love to tinker. That would be the thing I would love to do. Like, let's talk with my engineer friends over here. Let's sketch up something that would work. Cause there's somebody that does that with surf prosthetics. Like that's mm -hmm. awesome to me. Yeah. So, okay. So then you, uh, okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll delve more into the, the adaptive athlete side of things. So I, you heard of uh was it kevin ogar you heard of him? oh yeah yeah yeah. Colorado. yeah is he really oh that's right okay so uh so i went to the the crossfit games to watch in uh 14 15 and 16 and i remember in mm -hmm. 16 that's when you know during like one of the intermissions they had like an uh an adaptive athlete demo like a demonstration yeah. and kevin ogar was out there and it's it's very similar to what you were describing with the sandbag i don't remember the word honestly i mean it's been we're going on five years i don't remember what it was but i just remember watching him move and it's just insane like that this like these dudes now you're yeah you're, I, I i understand what you've gone through you're you're still you're very fortunate to to not be in that type of situation right mm -hmm. but it is crazy to watch. I just watched a video. I don't know what who the hell the dude was, but he's got one arm. Like there's mm -hmm. nothing over it. Like he he yep. like squat clean. Well, I think he snatched 175. Then he goes into like a a, yep. a front squat and a clean, and then he goes into a jerk finally at the end, like as a complex. And I'm like, 
most dudes can't do that with two arms. <laughs> That'd be, be Logan Aldridge. He is a, <laughs> he him? is a, oh yeah. He is a monster. Like That's I ridiculous. I, I'm, I'm chasing that guy and Casey Ackery all the time. They are so much stronger than me, man. Oh uh, man. But it, it's so cool though, because, uh, and, and I want to say like, I feel like CrossFit is really kind of created a place for guys like that to mm-hmm. participate. Number one, but also to show off what they can do. Like you see the open. Now you got the adaptive athlete division. Uh, yeah. Who knows if that's something that's going to actually make an appearance at the games this year, maybe. Cause you know, oh, it, it, it is, is actually. It? Cause okay, yeah, that's cool. I, it's uh, the, the fact they could the, the fact they published that on the same night now, because like last week's uh, last week's open, I didn't mm-hmm. have to wait a couple of days for, cause wheel wide usually handled that independently. Mm-hmm. And they had a lot of good guys fucking working their asses off uh, mm-hmm. putting that shit together. And then, you know, CrossFit has their open and now they must work with them up front because the second the announcement was out, when they printed off all the scorecards, there was Mm -hmm. the men's upper division adaptive version. Okay. So what was it? uh, So, so the workout was for 21.1 was the, uh, it was wall walks and double unders. Well, right, right. Okay. Yeah. And for us, it was uh, for, for the upper guys, it was, um, you do one set of alternating lunges and a burpee for every wall walk. Uh, mm. And then you do the same amount of double unders. Probably worse. So you're doing oh, double. Oh, man. Yep. Double, double under still. Um, actually, like, I, so I've, I've, I've got a bit of a paunch on me right now. Like, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and I, I don't know what it was, but for some reason I actually got in a rhythm and my, my double unders were better than they've been in a long time. And so like, I didn't even crack the, top 20 with my score <laughs> but i'm like you know what i'm happy with this right now like this yeah, is, I'm the this is solid. man uh you know with the the whole the shutdown especially out in california has been much more restrictive mm-hmm. um i i maybe have done double unders five times in the last year so that was yeah. definitely my weakness because like you know there's very few things i'm good at one would be deadlifts the other would be strict handstand push-ups so i've always been good at those things that's it don't know why nice. so, real- so diane's your shit yeah, I can do, I can do, uh, I can do a sub three minute Diane. No problem. And I do it straight. Damn. I don't do, I don't kip. I've never kipped handstand pushups. I, I learned, I actually learned this from Rich Froning at the, uh, the level one. I did my level one at CrossFit Mayhem. Uh, mm-hmm. The reason he doesn't like the kip and why strict handstand pushups were always in the programming back then when that whole what's rich doing thing kind of came out, like his program yeah. was released. And I remember asking at the, uh, the L1 ceremony, he's like, why do you have so much strict? And he's like, well, kipping puts a ton of pressure on your neck and I don't mm. like the way it feels. And I always kind of felt the same way. I just didn't know how to vocalize it maybe. And I feel like he yeah. was the one that able to put that in the context for me. But even to this day, I will not kip handstand pushups. I just, I won't, no. I don't like resting on my neck. And honestly, the ironic thing was because the wall works weren't that bad. It's just, I sucked at the, like I was doing sets of 15 on double unders. I was so bad at them. Mm-hmm. I just lost all my coordination, <laughs> but what's, and I did it on Saturday. Today's Tuesday. My neck and my traps are still sore from yeah. the wall. Still. And I only did it once. I didn't, I'm not one of those dudes. that's like, let me go do the workout nope. 14 times. And you know, I'm going to get it on. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. Once I one and done, man, but I got into, I think I got 11, 11 of the wall walks on the, the round of 15. Shit. Nice. But that's because that. I can't do double unders anymore. So yeah, you know, if I, a few more double under skills and, you know, cause that's all it comes down to It's that round of 21 is what separates everyone. And then it's the fastest fucking finishing that really bothers fastest me. Fastest guy in the adaptive division 
uh, for upper division. He did it in just over 11 minutes. Oh, so he finished. Finished. The the top like 10 spots in the adaptive upper extremity like finished. It was crazy. So are you guys going to have a like an online qualifier like the Masters and I'll do? Or, yeah. Okay. Uh, that's at least that's the plan. I I suppose that's like an adaptive training. Yeah. Academy thing. Like, so is that how, something like you're hoping to, to do, or are you just kind of you're just participating this year to see what happens? I'm hoping, but like the pool is a lot bigger than it was because yeah. I qualified last year for the wheel okay. wad stuff right before everything shut down shut for COVID. Shit. Yeah. Okay. And I like I, I I eked into the top ten, but it it looks like there are some monsters here this year. So even if I even if I get grandfathered in to actually go into the games this, yeah. this upcoming year, like I'm, I'm still going to be working my ass off. I, I spent most of COVID training strength and strong, man. So I, I <laughs> got, I got pretty good and strong, but like a lot of my more power focused stuff that comes from CrossFit, like mm. I, I should have been Olympic lifting a little bit more, but honestly, like now that I've popped back under an Olympic barbell after just doing deadlifts and, and strict press, like, you know, uh, 135, uh, for a, for a single arm snatch actually goes up pretty well. So, you know, I'm not so going to single arm snatch 135 split snatch. Yep. What a dick. That's fucked. Yeah. Right. <laughs> On the barbell. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go try that tomorrow. Actually, you know, yeah, I'm going to go try I want to try one hand tomorrow. What I used to do, I used to do some dumb shit in Kuwait at CrossFit Fair John. We always used to try to see how much we could deadlift with one arm. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's always my warm up when I'm deadlifting. Cause I really? want to, cause, well, cause I got the strap on one side. So that's all just back stability. But on the other yeah. side, I want to see how good my grip is. Yeah. So I could, I could always hook grip with one arm, 225. That was, yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. But yeah, it's crazy how you don't even notice it. Like you take totally for granted what you can do with two hands. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah. So when you try it with one hand, you're deadlifting. Like it's amazing how quickly that grip just goes. Like it's not really there. Like you need that mm. second, I guess, anchor, whatever the hell it is, or point of contact. Um, that's awesome, man. Like I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm gonna be pulling for you now. I hope you make this this qualifier. Make this shit. Hey, me, hey, me too. Me too. And if um, I if I get through the qualifier, maybe I'll uh, because I because I, I finally picked up running again too. So I'm gonna. Ooh, that's uh, yeah, plenty, mm-hmm. plenty good. I, I, I love trail running. I don't like road yeah. running. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so pre CrossFit, I did, uh, two, did two, two, yeah. Two marathons. One I trained for. And then one I did in Afghanistan. Actually, I did the Marine Corps marathon just so I could get a day off. Oh, cool. So we did it at NKC, right. In conjunction with the, uh, the Marine Corps marathon back in the States, but we had to postpone it two weeks for security reason. Um, uh, but no, I remember. So did you ever get to go to NKC in the new couple compound? No, I didn't get to go there. Okay. Cause I, I, I was wondering if you did, because you had one of the coolest names in title only, which is battle captain. Like what yeah. sounds cooler than that? Yeah. No, nothing. It's, <laughs> I, I'm the you're fucking, definitely, I definitely seeing, a thought of it. Yeah. I remember seeing that cause I was in a sustainment division at the, or sustainment command at the time. And I was like, the fuck is a battle captain? Sounds cool. Uh, the battle like, captain. The battle captain. But yeah. So our compound was like an L shape. Right. And uh, it was about two thirds of a mile around. So the marathon was 39 laps and they would blow a horn every hour for us to change directions just to kind of, you know, keep break it. up the monotony. Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. And I just remember it was so miserable that day for whatever reason. Uh, it was like 30 degrees. It was super windy. It was sunny, but it was just so windy and miserable. And I was just like, at least I get a day. Uh-huh. It was so bad. <laughs> so fucking dumb. 
But you know, oh, you, you probably know this. You know, Joe will do anything for a day off. Mm-hmm. I would. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I would. <laughs> um, and so, uh, shit. What the hell else was I going to bring up before you, real quick? How are you feeling about the whole CrossFit thing going on right now? Now that they've, you know, new ownership. Uh, I don't know how quick or how how intently you follow it, but a lot has changed I, in the last year since this about this time last year is when it all kind of. It's true. I um. I was not, uh, I, I don't pay that much attention to like HQ in general. Yeah. Uh, um, at least I, at least I never did, but, um, you know, I, the fact that there is actually an adaptive division because the, yeah. the, the, that's like, obviously that's my wheelhouse. That's what I right. know about. But the, the reason that I know anything about it is because, um, Crossroads Adaptive Athletic Alliance was the first, like the, and the Working Wounded Games was the first adaptive competition I ever saw. And Chef was such a huge advocate for it. Um, Brendan Ferreira, who's, who's up in Somerset, Massachusetts, he's my fellow one-handed hundred and firster, uh, who's a, who's a, who, who's a fucking monster. Like he, like he's, he's, he's my mentor straight up. Uh, Jason Sturm, those guys were all such like advocates for adaptive athletes being at the games. And for so long, they just kept hitting the wall, the wall, the wall of it's too difficult. Like if we use the, like, like, do we use the Paralympic shit? Do we come with our own yada, yada. And, and chef was always the guy that was like, like, it's right here. We've been doing it for years. We have like, we have the technology. Uh, They can crush this. Mm-hmm. and and they just kept getting blown off and then this year and and you know Wad took over from them and and then there's the adaptive training get like uh who's that seattle seahawk dude jason vibora i think uh who's who like he has an adaptive training foundation in texas where he trains amputees oh, cool. um and adam adam vibora i think but he's he's a fucking badass and like you have all these people that are training adaptive athletes who are like the clamor rose and when when the gentleman from CrossFit Sanitas took over as a CEO, um, that shit opened up, and I, I I like to think that that's a little bit like like the openness there is a little bit more, um, uh, like that like that's on purpose. And the cool thing is, I think when there's a whole like when we see all those adaptive athletes at the games this year, and you get to see some of those mm-hmm. events on TV, yeah. the you know, regardless of like, first of all, there are people that are going to fucking crush those workouts. But second, like there's all these kids that get injured or are born with yes, some sort of disability absolutely. that yeah. like when you get up and you see somebody that looks like you. Right. Like, like, cause, cause Logan Aldridge, like, I think when he was like 15, his arm got caught in a, in a wakeboarding accident. Mm. And, and the thing his dad said to him was it's just an arm. And and then he went out and he's probably the strongest one-handed pound for pound guy outside of like maybe Casey Ackery. Like, like, yeah. like that guy is, that guy is nuts and he's super fucking inspiring. And the fact that like 275 pound uh, army captain, Kerry Duvall, who was <laughs> struggling to climb a rope one-handed for so fucking long. I want to see saw, this. Saw this dude doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know how to, uh, I need to, cause I'm climbing ropes tomorrow. Actually. I need to know how to do one with one fucking hand. That's crazy. Uh, it, the Logan posts one about every three days just to infuriate me. I think. <laughs> yeah. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't know who the fuck I am, but <laughs> I, I've, I've met, I've met him like once, but like every time I see that, I'm like, damn, I need to get better at those, man. Cause he, crazy. he flies up those ropes. It's the ropes. It's really cool. No, but I think you're pointing out to a, a thing that I think uh, is, is important. And it's a, it's the fact that, I think so many people, cause I've even, 
you know, I've had plenty of internal dialogues with myself, every deployment or what, just whatever, just Hey, let me play worst case scenario today. If something happened to where I was in that position or where I was, you find yourself handicapped or something. I think most people, it's always been kind of thought of as, Hey man, that's, that's the end of your fun. Right. Mm-hmm. And guys like yourself have proven, no, it's just, it's just another obstacle for you to hurdle over. Right. Yeah. Um, and it shows that not only is it something you can do, it's something you guys can do very fucking well mm-hmm. and probably better than most. Like I've watched cause Ogar's actually in a fucking the wheelchair, right? Like that competitive. Yeah. yeah. The dude does bar muscle ups. Yep. <laughs> like I don't think people understand how hard a bar muscle up is. Normally this dude's got fucking a wheelchair on him and he's doing bar muscle like that. It's insane. If you don't know what a bar muscle up is, is when you literally pull yourself from below a bar to on top of it. And he's doing that with a wheelchair. Like that's, that's, it's just so impressive. And the fact that that guy's Mm. spirit has never at least, well, I mean, we don't know, but the the fact that he can still do that stuff, like he never quit, he never gave up because people forget he was a regional level athlete just in regular CrossFit before he got injured. Mm-hmm. Like he's a very talented individual and he could have easily just, you know, slipped away into the, you know, wherever and never came out of that shell, but he's still doing it. And I think it's great yep. that now we're at that point where guys like that and yourself are going to get an opportunity to showcase it. And I hope you all fucking crush it, man. I really do. Absolutely. Cause you're in better <laughs> shape than I am for sure. At this point. <laughs> I, I doubt it. Uh, the, the camera doesn't get low enough to see my white ass belly, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carrie, man, I appreciate you hanging out with me tonight. Uh, is there anything you need us to uh, pay attention to? Go check out any, any specific organizations you're supporting? Uh, so uh, just hang on. Let me let me pull up. Yeah, this go get him. Grab it. And uh, while he's doing that, please like and subscribe the whole podcast. There will be bourbon. Hopefully you understand that by now. It's on YouTube. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. It's on everything. Follow, subscribe, download, share it with your mom. I'm sure she'll love it. I need to pour another glass. We got steaks we're about to cook. So I know uh, I'm, I'm going to have a conversation with myself right now while Kerry comes back. Oh, damn. He's back. All right. I, All right. Welcome. Sorry about that. I don't, know, I don't know what happened to the book, but there's a book called Lessons in Cadence. That Lessons uh, in or Lessons End? In. Lessons, lessons in, in Cadence. Okay. Yeah. Got lessons it. in Cadence. Um, it's uh, it's about PTSD from people that are still going through it. So okay. I... I wrote a chapter in it. Uh, so did a Ooh. lot of friends of mine, a lot of the people that I've mentioned. Uh, it's military and law enforcement guys. It's through the Stay Safe Foundation, which my which my buddy Eric Basick, uh started. Uh, he's a guy up in uh, New Jersey. Okay. And uh, Rockaway, Rockaway, New Jersey. Rockaway, I remember, yes. I always remember because of the Ramon song. Um, <laughs> but um, his like he's not taking a dime for it. This is all going to charity. Uh, he got pushed into it by Frank Shamrock, who wrote the foreword for it. Okay. And it's like it's legitimately about people that have been through some traumatic shit that are not fixed yet. Like we're all finding yeah. our coping mechanisms. And I uh, I very highly recommend it. Um, I, I'm reading. I'm slowly reading it because I'm not the fastest reader on the planet, but it's a <laughs> really good book and you should definitely check it out. Good deal. All right. So you got that. You got lessons in cadence. That's Carrie Duvall with me tonight. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Groovy. Thanks, man.